Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I am The weekend In my <laughs> next life, Kara. <laughs> you wish you had that much hair, but go Oh, ahead. my gosh. Is that, is that young man talented? Yeah. You see, a lot of the ladies thought that J-Lo and Shakira shook it much better last year than a lot of the ladies. Uh, uh, is that where we are already? Yeah, that's Is that where we are already? I'm just saying, a lot of people noted. I say noted, that The weekend is talented and we immediately go he to, is. okay. He is. I just was, okay, I Mr. Was, Man. you know, Amanda thought it was sad. It was like all the bodies and the masks and it was just sad. And then I like that the thing became a meme, him in the, in the, in the, in the confusing like, I don't know, fun house, mirrors kind of thing with the lights. That was kind of cool. That was really cool. And everybody put a different thing of what it was. And it was, one of them was Sheryl Sandberg looking for the exit. <laughs> like, <it was> really <laughs> I saw. There was a I lot saw, of them that were funny. Um, I saw The weekend at Coachella yeah. five years ago. And you know mm-hmm. why I remind Old you Jelly, of that? Old you mean. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, is it makes me feel younger. If I Does say it? that a hundred times. Yeah, it's I feel old as Jella. if it's called old I Jella. feel fifty four again. All right, okay. Um, I, it was he, he was good. He was good. I He's just incredible. I like. Otherwise, what do you think? I don't know. So boring. So like, boring. Tom, God. I was looking. I looked the entire time at uh, Tom Brady's skin. That's and I was wondering how many avocados he had eaten that day. That, that guy, was, it's like he's freakishly good looking. Freakishly, isn't he? it doesn't look like he's had any work done. He's just eating. It's just through eating. It's Correct avocado eating. and bands. I Band. mean, it, working Seriously. out with bands. You know, my he's, I, he's I share a, a publisher man. with him. My publisher published his book and published my book. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what's going on here? Look yeah. at him. I need some personal, like wh- whatever he's got going on in his life. Do you realize he's been in one out of two Super Bowls for the last 20 years he's yeah, been in. Yeah, it's amazing. And if you look at, if you look at um, what's also fascinating is the ads that ran. Oh, yeah. The ads that ran. Give me a quick ad thing. Give me a quick ad thing, and then we'll get to a, a, a prediction that you were making that's coming true. But go ahead. Give me the ad that you like best. Well, no, no, no. The thing that was interesting is if you look at the ads that ran during mm-hmm. the Super Bowl that he first played in. Oh, yeah, I saw this. AOL, yeah. Blockbuster, Radio Shack, Circuit City, CompUSA, yep. Sears, Hot Sears. Jobs, Yahoo, VoiceStream Wireless, and Gateway Computers, a company I was on the board of. Gateway. That is Were how, you? That is how incredible Tom What was Tom that guy's Brady name? Is. What was the CEO's name? Ted Waite. Ted Waite. Yeah, oh, Ted. God, I used to interview him a long time ago. Yeah. That was yeah. a brick ago, well, as they say. Michael Dell won, and then Steve Jobs won. Yeah. You know, it's won a all continuing of it. series of things. Which one is your favorite ads? Which was your favorite ad? You know what? This is going to sound. This is going to sound. I, I I have a difficult time. I spent my entire the first twenty years of my career in brand strategy, so I used to mm-hmm. be obsessed with ads. And I'm just so jaded. I find these ads are basically yeah, we have thirty seconds and we need to spend ten million dollars. So let's put John Travolta in. It just yeah. It feels like an orgy Stunt. of money and, and you know not good? very creative. The Reddit one. The Reddit one for five seconds. For five, seconds? five yeah. seconds. Yeah. That was great. And then you yeah, went agreed. to social media. I agreed. thought that was the best money yeah, spent. It agreed. was a very nice little note. And I good thought point. Steve Huffman made a nice move there. Steve. I just interviewed yeah. him. I thought that was the best one. I agree with you. The only yeah. one that was mildly amusing was the one of Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani meeting with Adam Levine with the bad phone. That was cute. Cute. And by the way, how good does she look? She looks good. She looks good. He doesn't look as good, I'll have to say. A little too much uh, hard living, seems like. I don't know. He, she looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's They're so the most it. unlikely couple. He seems like such an oaf, but he's not. I think he's actually a very talented musician. In any case, uh, any little case, shout out to the Red States from the Jungle Cats. <laughs> 
He repels everything about that. Ba- <laughs> I'm repelled by him, but I'm I sure he's very talented. Hello, Kansas. Who are from the red states than you do, and I have yeah, a lot more red yeah, state right, type yeah, of relatives. The, my brother's from the a mean Trumper. streets of Calorama. No, no, I'm not, I don't live in Calorama. That's where yeah, my ex-wife right. lives. My friend. I live in. I do not live in Calorama. I live in Shaw. That's right. Uh, in any case, I I do. She find. got her knocks at Georgetown and this, <laughs> and her masters of fine arts posse. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me just say, I, all I'm saying is I am I am acquainted with people in the red states. I don't doubt that you have met someone from a red state. No, my relatives. Are you kidding? I've got all these oh, that's born right. again You're relatives. The cold I've got, I've I forgot got, about I'm that. I'm just, I have relatives. My brother mm, is whatever. a Trump voter. Whatever. My cousin. I lived my in a double wide oh, mic drop. No, they're not. As, all of them are doing rather well, but in any case, they are of the of the Trump persuasion. Anyway, um, let me just say I have to give a shout out to you. Twitter is mulling a subscription product, a concept that uh, Scott has long oh, advocated really? for. Yes, really? some ideas don't reportedly say. being mulled over. It, you we'll don't see if it say. happens. Are charging for the tweet deck and tipping Twitter users. I would like some tips for my fantastic tweets. And then Twitter stocks instantly jumped on the news. So tell tell me tell me of this. One of the most damaging things to our society is these mm-hmm. algorithms of amplification. Social yep. media Agreed. is Agreed. addictive. It's mm-hmm. nicotine. Right. But the shit gives, that gives you cancer, the tobacco, is these algorithms that want to get your intention. And they figured out that as a tribal species, they want to enrage you. So the platforms that unite us, Netflix, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, you know, I would even argue the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal unite us. But mm-hmm. the, the ad-supported model around algorithms of hate and rage are literally tearing at the fabric of our society. So, A, it's good for the good for the Commonwealth. And, B, the most accretive move in business history. In business yeah. history has been Amazon, Adobe, Restoration Hardware, Apple One moving to a subscription model. And so yeah. there are only three things and three things only that Twitter needs to do to be a $100 okay. stock. All right. What is One it? is subscription. Got it. Two is going vertical into content. They should acquire CNN, which they could get for seven to eight billion dollars. Take about a ten or fifteen percent dilution, and they mm-hmm. would, they would overnight be the trusted news source everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then third, they need a full time CEO. I'm not going to make personal attacks. I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say mm-hmm. that that company deserves a full time CEO. Those three things: triple digits, Twitter. That was very well said, boom. Scott. That was reasonable. You weren't screaming at Jack's beard. It's unusual for you <laughs> not to drag the beard into a situation. Just jealous. I'm just jealous. Um, you are. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of hair too. Jack does also, like the weekend, and unlike you. But tell me more about this because what, what do you think they'll actually do it, or are they just floating the idea? Well, it seems do, okay. like they take forever to do it. Well, everything. that's the problem here is the execution. It's like not the biggest idea. Okay, so they they. So what does the subscription model look like? The first of all, how long will it take, and what does it look like? Will it be partially free, some free? What what do you think? Well, first off, I've been fooled before. They mm-hmm. they, they did this head fake a few months ago. They said they were exploring a subscription model. Mm-hmm. I think in 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 response to my letter, but I'm a narcissist, and the stock jumped seven percent. And then on mm-hmm. the next earnings call, they said, "Hey, Jack," which by the way, he speaks six percent of the words on the Twitter earnings calls, twenty five percent of the words of the square call. Where is his mind? Where is it? Mm-hmm. And most CEOs speak 50% of the words. Anyways, they asked, well, what about the subscription model? Yeah. And the CFO gave this bullshit, well, you can expect us to be working on a number of things. In other words, we mm. haven't done a fucking thing because right. Jack's off at some archipelago with Sean Penn <laughs> thinking oh, about payments. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, so uh, this might yeah. be a head fake, but this is what it's something, it looks something like this. Mm-hmm. Less than 10,000 followers, free. So you maintain some of that heft and that viscosity and maybe hold on to those ad dollars while you're making the transition. 10 to yeah. 100,000 
10 bucks a month. But once you get to 100,000, 500,000, a million, the reality mm-hmm. is there's so much surplus value there. Clubhouse, Substack, all these things were mm-hmm. stolen out of the Twitter garage. Yeah, I agree. And it, it, Clubhouse is about to go subscription because they're like, okay, why don't we just steal all this shit? Mm-hmm. There's a brand new LG washing stuff. machine in the Twitter garage. We'll take that. Right, yeah. So yep. you and I would probably, you have a million and a half. I don't know. You pay a hundred bucks a month, 200 for that. And here's the thing. Why would though, I pay? I wouldn't pay at all. I go oh, yes, you would. You no, pay I wouldn't. I don't get anything Oh my for God, it. you no, pay I don't. a heartbeat. I don't make any money from Twitter. You have 1.5 million followers. Okay. Who do you virtue signal to once Twitter is gone? Anyways, no one. I'm you decided, would pay. I'm, I'm thinking of not virtue signaling anymore, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I struggle with that. Um, you would absolutely pay a little bit of money. And guess what? Their revenues could go down 20%. If they get to 10% of subscription, their stock yeah. doubles. Their stock doubles because right. because right. the markets don't like living with a manic depressive company that's based on the ad model, which creates rage. They like predictable subscription-based yep. revenue. And once you go to a subscription-based platform, i.e. Netflix, you start focusing on the customer, yep. the person using Agreed. the shit, yep. as opposed to trying to enrage the customer so you can sell their data or use them like a data I'm not sure key. they try to enrage the customers. They just It just happens by virtue. Well, their algorithms are indifferent and, right. and figure it out. But even In- look at... Even look at Robinhood, right? Yeah. That is not a subscription model. It's yeah. a ad model. Specifically, they're selling order flow. Right. And where is that headed? Yeah. Anyway, I, I think this is very I, exciting. I think it's, I think good. it's good, good for the Commonwealth. Right. I think it's good for the company. Good, good. Maybe sometime we'll talk about Clubhouse. Although I don't, I'm not on that much. I don't want to give away all my stuff. That's how I'm I not on there either. I keep getting invites because Me I know too. you. But yeah, I've no thanks. No. I mean, I think it's fine if there's lots. I think it's whatever. In any case, it, it's <laughs> interesting. I, well, there's lots of whatever. famous people going on it now. I think they drop off, you know, eventually. And it should be won or lost based on interesting rooms, not famous. I hear a lot of, I got to give them their due. I hear, well, that's because Mark Zuckerberg drop-ins, Elon Musk. Well, I think yeah. the real value is in the, they like, they're making splashy things. Those people don't, having run events, they're very hard to keep booking, as they say. So uh, I think what's really important, and, and to be interesting, have the, yeah. in, the because the, right now they're pretty like lick them up and down kind of interviews or just be, or boring. It was what I've heard, but, but it, it, it will rise and fall based on the other stuff that's interesting. Like there was a, there was a whole sex Kama Sutra groom the other day, like hmm. stuff like that. Like, well, not that one in particular, but any of them, like a history one, or that's where they might end up doing well. And and I'll wonder what happens after the pandemic when people don't have time to sit around and chit chat on a, on a, on a thing. So we'll see. It's an interesting idea in any case. Okay. On to big stories. Tesla has invested one, speaking of Elon Musk, who's on here, has invested $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. This comes just as Musk has been promoting cryptocurrencies over Twitter over the past several weeks. He's been promoting just today or yesterday Dogecoin, which is sort of a, a beanie babies for uh, for cryptocurrency. Um, Tesla said in its annual report that the company had made the move to, quote, provide us with more flexibility to further diversify and maximize returns on our cash. The company is also starting, could well, they said they were thinking of accepting Bitcoin as payment as well. They didn't say they will start. They just, it was rather vague about that. So uh, in any case, they s- signaled their intent. So Scott, what do you think of all this? Well, I, I, Bitcoin is just a phenomenon. And, and the notion that I, I believe, and I, I still can't wrap my head, you know how there's some names you just can't remember? Yeah. There's just some people you just can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is one of those concepts. I just can't wrap my head around. I, I, yeah. I'm 
or at least I acknowledge I can't. There's probably a lot of shit I can't wrap my head around, but I've convinced mm-hmm. myself I can. And in this mm-hmm. instance, I know what I don't know. I don't understand Bitcoin. What I do mm-hmm. believe, though, and I made this prediction in my annual mm-hmm. predictions when it was at 18 grand, that it's going to hit 50 grand. I think it may hit 100 grand mm-hmm. because it has developed a reputation as a hedge to inflation. It's a reverse proxy on our trust for central governments who just keep printing money. It's it's an interesting way to transport money. Try and transport $10 mm-hmm. million worth of gold to London. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it's more divisible. They have created a great deal of, of security that there will, in fact, be um, scarcity around supply, that there's only going to be 21 million coins. And when I, I had Michael Saylor on my Prop G podcast, and he mm-hmm. talked about social energy built into money, and I hear I heard him talk about it, and I'm like, I'm not entirely sure what you're saying, but it sounds really exciting. And I just think of it as a almost like an entity that's got now a $600 billion yeah. market cap. And I think it will have, based on its awareness and its positioning, probably a bigger market cap than that. So, yeah. but, but, and I apologize because I'm running on, but I do think there's a bad sign. Yeah. The thing that bothers me about all this. It feels very speculative. It feels, we're going to get like attacked by the Bitcoin boys, which oh, by the way, uh, you shut know what? the fuck Bring up, it on. boys. I, you know, I, honestly, at this point. I was literally saying positive things about it on the air and they like came out and they can, Oh, they're Shut very the fuck angry. up, boys. Like, really, seriously. Angry. All I said is it is what it is. What is an asset worth? Why is gold or money or anything worth? It's an interesting hedge if you're making lots of investments. I said all the right things, and they're still not happy. Because I don't know why. Whatever. They, but here's here's what, what, what I find suck troubling. Suck it, boys. Sorry. <laughs> what I find troubling. But I like that Blake Shelton. Um, <laughs> uh, what I, I find they, troubling is yeah, that what do you find the troubling? key to robust markets, whether it's the Everglades and there's, there's competition, and then you introduce an apex predator an African python that mm-hmm. has no predators and it starts wreaking havoc with the deer and the alligator population. When seven companies in the S&P 500 are 51% of the market capitalization, mm-hmm. when two, the top two or three companies in every industry control more power, consolidation of power is ultimately bad for an ecosystem and power corrupts. And it bothers mm-hmm. me that one individual, even if he's the most brilliant individual on the planet, is moving entire asset classes 10 and 20% one day. When one individual has mm-hmm. that kind of power, it usually doesn't end up in good places. Markets are meant to be such that if somebody tries to corner the, the silver market as the Hunt brothers did, if Bill Ackman tries to create a narrative and around Herbalife and a short squeeze, it's good to have what I'll call a collective ecosystem mm-hmm. where no one Agreed. person has too much power. And he's mm-hmm. basically, he says, he says buy Signal and a company called Signal Technologies, which has nothing to do with the messaging right. app, goes fif- up 1,500%. Yeah. yeah, there's something Do- weird. Dogecoin, mm-hmm. it, it was Dogecoin. a 34-year-old who's basically said, I don't get what's going on here. And it says on the homepage, this is the best kind of dog. Mm-hmm. This, I, this is, I find this, and again, I, I'm ready for the OK Boomer from the Tesla and the Bitcoin mm-hmm. guys, but I think healthy markets and ecosystems mm-hmm. No one individual has too much influence. Yeah, so. I think I think here's what I do think. Look, lot, it, they always act like Elon's the first one to make this. Lots of companies have invested in Bitcoin as a hedge. Mm-hmm. Lots of investment companies, lots of banks, all kinds of people. I've heard people saying, I'm playing in Bitcoin now just for a hedge, just for an extra right. asset. going to go up and then I'll get in and out. Speculative. All of them are speculative, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then Elon does it and everyone goes nuts, right? I do think he does lean into things that are really interesting and in the future. I had a pretty interesting discussion with Mark Cuban about this same thing. It's he doesn't know if it's going to be Bitcoin or or cryptocurrency as a useful mechanism, and that's really what I think is what people are waiting for. But nonetheless, it's like an asset class, like anything else. Like what is gold? What is this? And so, I mean, you can have jewelry. I guess you can't make 
Bitcoin. Oh, there is. Yeah, Bitcoin but an asset class typically is connected to cash flows or can be repurposed for fillings like gold or rare yeah, I get earth it. materials. I get it. I'm just this saying. thing is more like I think of it. And again, it's hard to pin it down. It's more mm-hmm. like a currency where just two parties agree it's a store of value and that it's yeah. worth something. Yeah. Well, that's all right. That's what it is, right? But I, I'm thinking I've been saying, and this is one of my flaws as an investor, and I have many flaws as an, as an investor. At, uh, I don't want to buy something unless I can wrap my head around yep. buying it for, You're like owning it for 10 years. That. Look, Warren it's Buffett. not... It's not timing the market. It's time in the market. Anyways, yeah. anyways. Yeah. So, by it the way, I did I, just real quick, a real quick stat, sure. because I think a lot of people are being seduced into uh, day trading. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, 80% of day traders lose money. You know how many people in the history of the markets who have more than, own, buy more than five stocks and hold those five stocks over 20 years? You know what percentage make money? Mm-hmm. What? 100%. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. I can tell you as someone who was literally 22 yesterday, Play to our species flaw, and that is time will go much faster than you think. Play for the long game. Mm-hmm. Play, look we at Jeff Bezos. Pay, so dull. Play for the long Yeah, there's no dope ahead. If you want dope hits, I'm all for dopa, but just recognize dopa costs money. It's not a yeah. way to make money. Okay. Dopa usually involves— Scott, you don't want young people to invest. Don't you understand that? No, I'm oh, yeah, no. I I, I, I'm, I'm trying to protect my hedge fund friends, oh, and I'm crying God. over you know, my losses, one, which I have not registered. Scott, on that one, suck it, boys. Like, suck it. He, that, that's not what he's saying. If you listen to actually listen to him, he's talking about responsible investing. He also says, go ahead and speculate if you want. Go ahead. Nobody cares. Yeah, look, I like, think— That's what it is. Nobody I think, cares, but they need to say it all the time. Look, I think gambling and, and strip Good. clubs are a ton of fun. Great. You lose money. You lose you money there. By the way, I haven't been to a strip club in 10 years, just such that that, that people don't come after me. Anyways, um, don't know how I got there. Don't Mm. know how I got there. In any case, we are for people investing. The way you get rich. It's like I'm that guy with the Lamborghinis. I know how you can get rich. That's the Mm -hmm. good news. The bad news is I know how to get you rich slowly. Yep. Yep, and it's about right. discipline. It's about investing every day. And you know that what? There's a, a there's a point. personal analogy here. The people with the most rewarding, mm-hmm. enormous portfolios of satisfaction and happiness make yeah. small investments in relationships every day their entire lives. And they wake up and they have wonderful economic and emotional yeah. security. Yep, 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 Anyways, yep. I agree. I, don't I know, agree. I don't know how we got here. I, we're just mad. <laughs> Where am I? Like, you know what? No, but here's the thing. It'll be interesting because the mayor of Miami is looking in ways to incorporate cryptocurrencies into the municipality. He's all up in, his, up in everyone in Tex Grill, uh, the mayor of Miami, Francisco Suarez. So you, Suarez. he'd, of course, be there. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting. Good for you, Elon. I think, again, 80% of it is forward-looking. 20% of it is stick it to the man. Yeah. And everybody that. else, you shouldn't... You, the only reason you should do what Elon says is because the... Ne- the money, money goes up. And so if you're a speculator, do what Elon says and then get the fuck out um, if, if, it, if it looks like it's going south. That's what I would say. But, you know, and, and, and he is forward. It is forward looking, but he's not the only one. There's lots of people that have been doing this, um, and especially as, as a hedge as to other investments. So but you know what you're going to see. I mean, look here. at the four companies that have, have converted their treasury into Bitcoin. It's Square, mm-hmm. Tesla, Twitter and MicroStrategy, you're mm-hmm. going to see 40 companies yeah. in the next 90 Agreed. days. Agree Agreed. A portion yeah, of their they treasury. They have to. They want to, can't feel like they left it's out. It's a great the branding old, move. The old guys can't feel like they left out. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we have to, we're going to talk about Apple getting into cars briefly. And then a friend of Pivot, acting chair of the FCC, Jessica Rosenworcel, is coming on. She's not yet the chairperson, might become that. I want to talk about FCC issues. Okay, Scott, we're back. Let's talk about Apple cars briefly. Apple talks with Hyundai and 
uh, Kia to manufacture autonomous vehicles fell apart over the weekend. Apple started looking for potential partners late last year as the company considered plans to launch driverless electric cars in the next five years. Last week, the Wall Street Journal reported that Apple was in talk with Hyundai to develop the vehicles in Kia to manufacture them in Georgia. Then over the weekend, the company filed, uh, the Kia did, officially saying they're not in partnership with Apple. To They were not in the partnership talks uh, with Apple to make those vehicles. Um, this has been going on for a long time, and, and this is this Project Titan, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, 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 any insights onto, into it? I haven't been focused on it because I don't, I think they're not that interested in it, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I was going to ask you because you're, you're, you just have more feelers out. I can give you a sense from a <laughs> give shareholder. Give me a sense from a shareholder perspective. And well, then I will okay. Tell you so anything. if you were to add up, the world has something like, I don't know, $120 trillion in assets or something. And then if you collectively added up everybody's time, and then you multiply it by their income, you would end up with a correlation between attention times the capital you control mm-hmm. uh, divided by that that total asset class. In other words, the amount of money that um, streaming video platforms have invested in TV is because at five hours a day of consumption from the wealthiest people in the world, Americans, it wasn't getting the type of capital it garnered. So now the streaming video platforms are investing more in original scripted television than the defense budgets of many G7 nations because even if they don't get money back right away in the form of box office, Mm -hmm. they can monetize your attention other ways, whether it's getting you to sign up for Prime or buy a $1,200 phone that costs $599 to produce. Mm -hmm. So there's an arbitrage here around trying to find things that command a lot of our attention graph, especially among rich people that aren't have a low market cap. One of them is we spend, a lot of people, especially a lot of wealthy people, spend an hour, two hours a day in their car. That is a point of attention because you are interfacing with an operating sure. system. Yep. And the, the the auto industry, because it hasn't been very forward-looking, whether it's internal combustion engines, sure. commands about the entire market cap of Twitter, if you're not Tesla. So I think they see an opportunity there the same way they see an opportunity in streaming video. And if they can get an operating system into, I think they're smart to probably get a manufacturing partner. Yeah. But if Apple, for every incremental minute that Apple gets from the wealthiest people in the world, which is the billion iOS users in front of their iOS, they Mm -hmm. get another $10 billion of market capitalization. So they're going to go after, where do we spend our time? Media, all right, they're all over that. The other place Mm -hmm. they're going to really look to is, I think think they're going to buy, one of the operating systems guys is going to buy Peloton. If they can get Mm -hmm. another 30 minutes a day from Oprah and President Biden, that's worth it. Yep. So, and this is just now they're going after the car. And also what they also see is at $800 billion, the moment Apple displays and they have Tim Cook or some of his very compelling people on stage displaying an Apple car, I will buy an Apple car. It's the strongest brand in the world. It could look like, it could look like the Pontiac Aztec from Breaking Bad and I will buy it. (laughs) The moment they get real about a car, I believe, I believe Tesla loses about a quarter of a trillion dollars to Apple because yeah. Apple will be seen as a credible, one of the few. Nobody, nobody's worried about Tesla when General Motors announces the new Pontiac Leaf. Hmm. If, if Apple gets into cars in a serious way, I don't think if Tesla was at $800 billion, they would have reignited Titan. My, my feeling yes. is they have said, you know what? This is just too big for us to ignore yeah. in terms of the attention and market capitalization. But ultimately, it's a play for a greater portion of the wealthiest people in the world there uh, of their attention graph. Oh, I agree. I think that's a very smart analysis, Scott. 
Galloway. I don't know what else to say. I think you're right. I think I think it's a lot harder to make these things. And Elon really certainly are. does have 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 this, as you can see by anything he talks about. You know, if he said everybody eat pretzels, everybody of his fans would eat pretzels. I, I think he has that that sort of swaggering um, Iron Man kind of thing going yeah, on. 100%. But I agree with you. I think it's a. I think it's. I think if Apple got into it with all its money, it's just the question of who they have that's truly committed to doing this in a great way. Because it has to be a perfect product. I think Peloton's a whole lot lighter lift for them, and, and in areas they're quite good at. But and it's much more complex. So they'd really have to hire up and really get people that are compelling, and I think focused almost entirely on the product itself. But you're right. I would. I, I would. I would buy an Apple. I have don't own a car, and I would buy an Apple car. I would. I don't. I wouldn't. First I would, in line. First I in would line. Be, I would. I would. And I don't know why I don't buy a Tesla. They're too expensive. I'm worried about the service. Yeah, I know by the way, right. Tesla's my, a great car. It's my, a great. You car. have one. My brother has one. I know car. they are, but I think I would. I still haven't bought one, right? Yeah. So I would buy a. I don't know why it is. I'm just like I don't need it. I don't. I don't think it's that as as great as I need to pay for it and maintain it and stuff like that. But certainly an Apple car, I would think about. You I, drive I would think, a pink Hummer, right? No, no. What, did you, what was your car when you were a kid? When you were in, t- I, we had a Pacer. Oh we had my a Pacer. gosh! Yeah. My my dad had a Grand Torino. Oh wow! <laughs> then so a Plymouth Fury. We had muscle cars. Oh wow! Yeah, we had, no, we had some. We had some great. My mom. That Pacer had, was a fucking hell of a car. I love that car. It was like <laughs> that, a. Gun that was drop. literally the AMC Pacer. That was literally mm-hmm. such a bad car. It's it was iconic. Such a good car. Oh my a god! Pacer? The whole back of it was like the windows. I love the Pacer. I love the Pacer. Oh god! So, I love that car. I love that car. I've been getting into Twitter wars with people who accuse me of being this rich, rich hedge funder, like protecting yeah, my friends. I'm like, I was driving a 1984 Honda Accord until I was 35. Where do you get this shit? By the yeah. way, Honda Accord, amazing car. What was your first car? What was uh, your first a Honda car? Civic with a stick shift. No, so you were I have smart. always had stick shifts, and I I didn't really know how to drive a stick shift. My boyfriend from high school taught me once, and I bought the car in Pennsylvania where my grandmother lived, and I drove it all by myself back to Washington D.C., learning how to drive a stick shift along the way. That was it. Civics I only had are stick awesome shifts. Cars. I only had the stick one, the little one that looks like a boot. The yeah, old yeah. It was I, tiny. Oh, those are great cars. Those tiny. Are great then cars. I had a Volkswagen, and then I had a. I don't know. I had a bunch of cars. I don't have any more. No cars, no more. But I would buy an Apple car. So you think they're going to get into it? You think that is really the way I, it's going to go? I think any $850 billion industry that involves yep. technology and a brand, yep. Apple looks at it and goes, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> their their greed glances like get going. Fish. Yeah, but you're right. It's a big area. So I don't know. Maybe they're just screwing with Elon and stuff like that. Who knows? But, the, you know, these talks are very complex and they have to have someone else make it. They're not going to be able to make it themselves. I always thought they were going to buy Tesla. Um, but I Too think, late. I think, I know. And also Tim Cook was probably like, oh, that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he just, you know what I mean? They're, they're all sort of older there and they're, they, they'd be like, oh. I don't think he'd sell it either. Although at one point he was thinking of selling it to a range of people, I think, in the dark Funding days. secured. Funding, Funding secured. secured. Yes, a long time ago. In any case, I, it'll be interesting to see if you had to, do you think it would face antitrust scrutiny if it did this? You know, that's a really interesting one. I don't think so because I think the auto market is pretty Mm -hmm. competitive. And I guess the question would be, are they, do they have an unfair advantage? I, you know, the honest answer is I don't know. I think Apple is, is less prone to antitrust than the rest right now. Okay. Less susceptible, I should say. In any case, it's very interesting to see if they get in this and, and, and how they make it and, and who else will be in it. Is there any other player you think will enter the picture? Google's sort of always around the edges and was one of the first. There aren't any. But Google's no basically said, kind of the Whitney Tilson, this great investor, is talking about transportation as a service. And he said, there's Google, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of them. Google, I think, is committed to the, um, 
being the software. And yeah. And what the, basically what Apple has said is Google Google's the technology, and that's largely the play that Apple's going to do. But Apple's going to take their brand and put it on the hood probably of a product that has 37 parts that come from different parts of the world that only Volkswagen has the supply chain to figure out or Toyota. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think they're smart to partner with someone around the very difficult and low-margin business of coordinating that kind of supply chain. It also it also signifies something, a transition here, and that is automobiles used to be about product uh, atoms mm-hmm. and uh, uh, upgrades to the physical product. Now they're software. Now it's really about software. That yep. is, my brakes Indeed. and my transmission and my tune-up can happen over with software over the airwaves. Mm-hmm. And they realize it's more. It's increasingly more about software and zeros and ones than about atoms. Yeah, I hope they make my pacer when it comes back. <laughs> In any case, moving on, we have a friend of Pivot. We have with us this acting FCC chairwoman, Jessica Rosenworcel. Jessica, welcome to the show. Or chairwoman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Wow. So I saw your tweet. We've known each other as uh, like a brick, right? We've known each other a long, <laughs> long time. Um, so you tweeted, I, I caught my attention, uh, your first 10 days as acting chairwoman uh, or chairperson, whatever you like, of the FCC, which is the Federal Communications uh, Commission. What are, talk a little bit about those accomplishments and what made them your priority. Ah, well, here I am taking over this agency that has all sorts of responsibility for making the digital age reach everyone. Mm-hmm. So right out of the gate, I thought, let's make it our priority and, you know, hit the ground running. No apologies. So we came right out and said, we're going to work on something called the emergency broadband benefit, mm-hmm. which Congress passed late last year and can help low income households get online, which, you know, during this pandemic, Being able to go online is a lifeline. Right. Mm -hmm. And then um, I also have made it a priority to do some work to map where broadband is and is not in this country because you can't manage the problems you don't measure. So we've got to figure that out. So we reach 100% of us with high-speed service. And then I also started a proceeding to do more with telehealth Mm -hmm. because that's also been a lifeline in this pandemic. And then I made it a priority to try to address what I call the homework gap. Because, you know, when I was in school, we didn't need the internet. We needed paper, a pencil, and my brother leaving me alone if I had schoolwork. Right. But between the pandemic and just the realities of the digital age, every child needs internet access to succeed in school. And we got too many kids who are sitting outside of fast food restaurants right now just trying to go to class. I mean, they're locked out of virtual school if they don't have internet access. So I want right. to focus it, on those things. It's a shame. Right it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's an incredible shame. I mean, my kids have a difficult time and they're lucky. You know what I mean? It's already very problematic to do resume school and keep people excited, et cetera. But talk about what's, why is this taking so long? Tell me, explain to people what, how I know who used to run it, Ajit Pai. So talk to us about how the FCC works. We had FTC uh, uh, Commissioner uh, Rebecca Slaughter on. It's a similar thing. Explain the agency so people understand what you guys are responsible for. Sure. The uh, Federal Communications Commission has been around since 1934. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, I certainly haven't been around that long. And communications was different way back then. But today, it really oversees the communications we rely on for every aspect of our life. It's broadband, it's broadcasting, it's satellite, it's radio, it's telephone service. I mean, try to go a day without using one of those things. And... um, I think it would be pretty hard. And, uh, and internet. And, and internet, internet yeah. Right. And, but the communications aspect of it, mm-hmm. not the platforms, but the right. sort of engineering that resides below it that makes sure we can make connections. 
And that's some of the most important infrastructure in the digital age. And so over time, the Federal Communications Commission, I think, has become more important in civic and commercial life. Mm-hmm. And um, right now it has four commissioners. Right. But fully and more stocked, political. We have That's five. Different. Right. So, so, um, so now you're, is it a two-two thing or is it Republicans and then the de- Democrat will be chairperson, correct? It is a uh, two-two thing at the moment. So, uh, so that's um, got to forge some compromise to get things done. Mm-hmm. But I hope in the not too distant future, uh, there'll be a majority that reflects the administration. So I'm going to ask one more question, then Scott will have a question. But who, Ajit Pai just stepped down and left, correct? He's gone. That's right. That's um, right. And so what, what What was taking them so long? Here's your chance to take a shot. But what's, what's the, what happens where this has been sitting around since we've been in this pandemic for quite a bit of time now? No kidding. Um, I just think you got to choose your priorities. Mm-hmm. You know, we can make incremental progress when it comes to getting every kid online or we can decide to make it a national priority. So mm-hmm. that's why right out of the gate, we started with the homework gap and also getting low-income households online because too many of them are just locked out of opportunity, especially now in this mm-hmm. pandemic. But, uh, so my question is, Chairwoman, uh, by the way, nice to meet you. Uh, nice to meet you too. Uh, what's the friction? Is it is it money? Is it the, is it... Is it that mom isn't home in many of these low-income households, so it's difficult? The dispersion of responsibility is is not being picked up in the home. Is it, you know, it, it just that feels obvious. I think most reasonable people would go, yes, low-income kids should have access to water, i.e., bandwidth. Mm-hmm. What's the friction here? Why is this not happening? Yeah, um, the answer is really all of the above. Yeah. Um, Look, if it was easy to solve our nation's digital divide, we would have yeah. done it already. Right. But yeah. I think in the end, it's really two problems. And the last administration focused on one, which was how do we get it to rural America? You know, those mm-hmm. places mm-hmm. where um, infrastructure could pass them by without some stimulus from federal or state programs. And that's important. We got to reach every community in this country because people don't have a fair shot living there without it. Mm-hmm. But we also have to recognize there's this second problem. And it involves affordability. And mm-hmm. a lot of households right now are under serious economic strain. You know, just making sure that you can keep paying that bill and keep groceries on the table is important, but it's really vital right now because it means can your kid continue to go to school? So I think we got to focus on that second piece in addition to the first deployment and adoption. Uh, so subsidizing or uh, forcing uh, regulated monopolies that control the access to bandwidth, some sort of either f- forcing a certain amount of uh, access to low income or sub- just subsidizing it, just saying, okay, we're going to like a housing plan. You know, this isn't really a new idea, right? Back in 1985, when Ronald Reagan was president and most phones had a jack in the wall and a curly cord, uh, policymakers in Washington came up with this idea called Lifeline. And Lifeline was a program to make sure that every household had basic telephone service. You know, so if they had an emergency, they could use the phone. If they wanted to seek out a job, they had a phone number for someone to call them back. And I think that if you advance to the here and now, what you have to recognize is dial tone in the digital age is Internet access. And we need programs to get us all connected 100%. So you... You have emergency powers to do that right now. Is that correct? Well, we're working on figuring out how to use the law as it exists uh, to see what progress we can make um, as soon as possible. 
Well, you can't do it. You could just do it without any legislation or any any permission. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, we're going to have to go look at the Telecommunications Act of 1996 and the Communications Act of 1934 and find a legal way forward. Right. Um, so we are working hard to do that because look, this crisis what's has in put your so way? much strain. Um, what's in our way? I've got to make sure that there's a pathway that makes it legal under the law and that I convince uh, a majority of my colleagues. But I just don't think this should be hard because if we entered this pandemic thinking broadband access was nice to have, I think we've proven conclusively it's need to have for every household. But that, that you can't just convince these these telcos and others and the cable companies to just do this. Well, we're putting we're putting to. a lot of pressure on them too. Some of them have some programs and good for them. But we got to make sure that uh, those programs reach everyone everywhere. And right now they do not. They do not. All right, Scott. You mentioned something about telemedicine and telehealth. And my senses or my belief is that's going to be probably one of the most interesting sectors in the world, largest largest business arguably in the world, 17% of the U.S. economy, ripe for disruption. And telehealth remote medicine is super exciting. What is the FCC's role in that? And what are any initial thoughts around why and how that needs to be regulated or what you can do to foment increased primary health care over, over remote means? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I totally agree with you. I think one of the most exciting things that's going on in our economy is the expansion of telemedicine. Um, mm-hmm. I spent some time during this pandemic even visiting with practitioners here in Washington, finding out what new things they're doing. You know, and it turns out there's a whole bunch of healthcare um, issues that can be managed more easily over internet access and by keeping connected, you know, and they can get people in their households who are not likely to show up at successive appointments more easily using a device. They can set them up with, um, uh, you know, uh, to read their pulse, to read the oxygen in their blood and do all that stuff from home. I mean, I was just talking to some folks here in Washington at Children's Hospital, and they were describing how it turns out that behavioral therapy done at home makes people so much more comfortable that their practitioners were finding it was easier and better than bringing folks into this generic setting at the hospital. So Chairwoman, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you and I apologize. Let, let's assume we buy into that okay. and buy into the promise. How does the FCC catalyze and expedite that? So in the very near term, we were just given $250 million to give yep. out to telehealth projects all around the country. And that's on top of another 200 million that was given out by the agency last year. What I think we're yep. gonna have to do in the future is study all of that funding because we're in that crisis mode now where we're just pushing it out and try to yeah. find out where we get the greatest improvements in healthcare at the greatest reductions in cost. So there's going to have to be some study down the road, but that's going to be a mix of getting bandwidth to these facilities yeah. and to these patients and also studying reimbursement and licensing, which are probably impediments uh, in ways that technology is not. Meaning that you're you're able to do this telehealth exactly, in a safe, exactly. HIPAA compliant way, which has been which has really held back healthcare in a lot of ways online, yeah. in lots of ways. So, what about the net neutrality debate? Um, is that going to be picked up by the? That's been going on since I was a young girl. Um, um, I feel the same and way. And you too. <laughs> yeah. So, where yeah. is that now? So, uh, back in 2017, the last administration rolled back net neutrality. Um, yes, they did. Over the uh, objection of myself and. Uh, the vast majority of American public. 
Uh, the year before last, I think the House passed a bill to try to bring it back. It got stalled in the Senate. And, um, and so while the FCC stepped out of the fray, you know, some states stepped in, like California decided to build their own net neutrality laws. And then the last administration started to sue them. So we've got this sort of mess in the courts. We've got state activity and we have an FCC that vacated the space. Uh, it's right. my hope in time that we can again make net neutrality the law of the land. But um, we're going to have to figure out a pathway to do that. So let me ask you, because this is a perfect example of what happens with a lot of like the FEC or the FTC, like things switch. Now, the FTC has actually stayed relatively bipartisan in a weird way. But the FCC has always been sort of the flashpoint of partisan politics for a long time. How do you how do you stop it shifting from administration to administration? Every administration, they just shift it completely and nothing stays in place. Or is that just not possible? Well, let me be optimistic for a second and say that I think we got to work on making that possible. And I think when you look at things like telemedicine, telehealth, or spectrum policy, there's a lot of opportunity for bipartisanship. I mean, mm -hmm. and um, I don't think we've seen that in recent years, but I, you know, I, I want to see if we can do some things to bring it back. I think that's good for the agency and good for the country. But how do you get to a situation where we don't go back and forth? Net neutrality is going to be debated until the end of time, until we are, are communicating by our brains, essentially, by, by psychic. <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, I, I do know that uh, it's an issue where people have really strongly held opinions. And it's um, one that I think is... What's yours? Well, mine, I definitely support net neutrality. I think non-discrimination so I, 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 I ask this generally not as a comment, but trying to get uh, – and I'd care, I'm curious to hear your view on this. I immediately went to net neutrality is really important, and I was outraged because I think I immediately kind of adopted the, the narrative of people I trust and media I trust. Since net neutrality was done away with or whatever it was, the, the sky has not fallen. Is there anything that maybe that, that we overestimated the fears around net neutrality? Sure, that's a good point. Um, I would say that the providers of our nation's broadband service have been on their yep. best behavior because there's been these Great looming point. lawsuits and this looming Great legislation. Point. And it's a good fact that they've been on their best behavior. We've all benefited from it. But at the end of the day... You know, if you're a provider and you've got the technical capability to, you know, block or throttle services, you've got the engineering in place and you got the business incentive to do so, and the FCC gave you the green light, I think those are things you'll experiment with. And I'm not sure that that redounds to the benefit of the American public who would like to see an open internet. Well, how do you see innovation in the sector then? How do you, their argument has always been we can't innovate if we have these strictures. You know, I think that innovation in this sector comes from competition for Agreed. that broadband pipe. You know, let's go mm -hmm. ahead and see what we can do with fixed wireless service, with low earth orbiting satellites and all these new technologies that can bring bandwidth into our home. I think competition is where you find innovation. And that's something that we should promote first and foremost. And then what do you think is going to be the big, this, this was a long time fight, the whole net neutrality fight and some others. What are you looking towards that you think the next, the FCC's role in internet regulations is going to be more broadly? Will you play any role in any of these other legislative, you know, efforts going on by regulatory efforts? Or what do you think the big issues, if you had to pick them, <laughs> the are going forward? issues going forward. I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Section 230. 
Um, but I can't be the, I can't be the first person to pointed that out. Um, the next thing I think we're going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to keep you on that. You were charged by that executive order by president Trump, correct? Are you still under that? Um, well, they filed a petition with us that's still pending, but -hmm. you know, the substance of that petition seems to make, try to make the FCC into the president's speech police. And I don't think we should take that bait. So uh, I think Congress is going to spend a lot of time thinking about Section 230, it already is. Mm -hmm. But I think the other big issue is when you start talking about next generation wireless and 5G, it is, um, right now there's so much hype. The hype machine is in overdrive. But when Mm -hmm. you get past the point that you're just talking about mobile phones and you start thinking about sensors on all sorts of equipment and in the world around us, we're gonna have this um, constant stream of intelligence explaining to us where we're efficient and where we're effective. And then we're going to use that data to inform machine learning and eventually artificial intelligence. And to me, that's where 5G is most powerful. And the challenge associated with it is getting it everywhere, but also recognizing that it expands the surface for cyber vulnerabilities and privacy Mm -hmm. issues. And I don't think we fully grappled with that next. It's not here yet because most of our discussion is about the phone. And when we talk about mobile, that's like the sun in the center of the universe. But I think the real power in 5G is when it moves into the landscape and the world around us. So just returning to 230 for a second, do you think there should be carve-outs just as there's carve-outs for sex trafficking uh, from the protections of 230 for things like health or national defense? Do you think well, there should be carve-outs? I think that these are subjects that are above my pay grade right now. Uh, Section As chairperson of the FCC? Yeah, Section 230 is in the law, largely self-effectuating, but the agency has not really been asked to make those kind of decisions. But um, I think that's Who a dialogue think we need to have because, look, uh, you know, online platforms and social media are frustrating. They're mm-hmm. sources of misinformation. We need to make sure that their incentives are right for keeping – a civil and safe. So you essentially, you seem to be saying, and this is my last question, that the FCC's role here is not one, that you all shouldn't have one. Who should, if that's the case? Well, right now, let's see, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act amended uh, Title II of the Communications Act of 1934. So that's Mm -hmm. that for the law nerds Mm -hmm. out there, which means that it falls within the FCC's general purview. But Mm -hmm. um, it's always been perceived as a section of the law that largely is self-enacting. And so major Mm -hmm. changes come from Congress. They don't come from the regulatory agency. But won't they ask you for an opinion? Won't you be meeting with senators and congresspeople saying you're you're very knowledgeable on these issues? Well, in this area, we don't have a history of rules or precedent. So while that's normally Mm -hmm. the case, I would say this might be different. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we we will study and— be responsive if asked. Um, yeah, I don't think you want to get near it, right? I don't think you want to be the speech police, correct? Yeah, I think that um, making the FCC into the speech police has has, uh, has problems, and it's why I opposed what the last administration tried to do. Okay. Uh, uh, Commissioner, Commissioner, Chairperson uh, uh, Rosenworcel, thank you so much for coming nice on today. Nice meeting you, Chairperson. We really appreciate it. When is the next person going to be selected, the the, the fifth oh, wheel? Oh, we'll see what happens. That is uh, not yet clear, but I'm going to hmm. do the best I what can. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean, not yet clear? Well, I think that um, the administration's taken some time to get up and running, and I will um, do my best to make sure that this agency is in good stead no matter what if I am there 
for the short term or the long term. Okay. Thank okay. you so much. Thank we you. really appreciate All right. it. All right. Thanks. All right, Scott. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break and I'm going to prepare my speech police outfit and we'll be back for wins. I didn't find that meal well, very satisfying. I think the chair, the, the chairperson should run for office. I think she is very de- she have, deft she can't at say avoiding. Anything. I don't agree with you. They're not, they're, they're in a position where there's four people and she's got to make some deals. She's got, she's got to make deals. I, I'm, I'm hearing commissioners take a stand and have a view. Not point. when there's two, two, two view, no. and they've got to figure out who's going to be it. They need a third. They, they need, need a tiebreaker. Tie Just like anything else. So until then, they mm. have to be cooperative and unified, like Bruce Springsteen said in his Jeep ad. We all are at fault for what's going on, even though we're not all at fault for what's going on. Anyway, uh, we'll be back for wins and fails. All right, Scott, wins and fails. What do you got? Uh, uh, there is there is some exciting news. There's actually been more new businesses started in 2020, mm-hmm. or there were more new businesses started in 2020. People are being very resourceful yeah. uh, because the wealth of wealthy people has exploded, and oftentimes they're angel investors savings. or the capital source. Savings. And people are being very mm-hmm. innovative. Now, the, the flip side of that is, and people don't like to talk this because we've romanticized small businesses, the best thing that could happen for new businesses is to let existing small businesses yeah. go out of business if they're not prepared for a post-COVID yeah. world. And I think propping them up, if you don't let the, if you don't let the gale cyclone of creative destruction blow, all that is is protecting old people's wealth so young people can't come in and start their yeah. own businesses with that real estate that's been that's now vacant. But anyways, there is there is something exciting happening around new businesses. I think that's encouraging. My fail. Can I just note on is, that? I have to say, m- I was walking the other day yep. and I was thinking all these restaurants, for example, so many of them are trying so hard to do new and interesting things. It was quite touching on some level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, good for them. They, someone did something in a restaurant setting and I was like, oh, wow, that is a great idea. I kept thinking, what a great idea when I was walking down the street. And I kind of like that idea yeah. of them. I, you know, I, you're still facing incredible odds right now, especially in the dead of winter you know, on the East Coast. Um, but yeah. I still felt a little bit of hope. I know it sounds crazy, but I thought, how creative, especially in New York, for example. That was one place I saw a lot of that. Do you have a loss? Uh, I want you to finish yours. Yes, I do. So uh, fantastic, and I'm I'm totally shilling the New York Times, but uh, oh gosh, I forgot her name. Uh, woman wrote this fantastic article: Working Moms Three on Jessica Bennett. Jessica Bennett. And it was a whole series of articles. Just, too, by the way. it just brought it. We it have lost, and this was your guest last week. Mm-hmm. We have taken every almost every labor participation for women has come back to the eighties. Yeah. And I'm really into this. And I I think that what I'll say is the loss, the loss, the silver lining here, one of them is, what do we leave behind? Isn't this an opportunity to really rethink things? So for example, I love this plan, Marshall Plans for Mom, Mm -hmm. that that your colleague came on the show and talked about. But why do we transfer a trillion dollars from mostly young people to the wealthiest cohort in America in the form of Social Security? Mm -hmm. Social Security has taken, and it was very successful, it's taken seniors who are 38% of whom were in poverty down to 11%. Why wouldn't we continue to give money to those 11%? Why wouldn't we have Social Security for young people who've incurred the greatest Mm -hmm. shit-kicking for the first time in our society? Interesting. Do not make as much money at 30 as their parents. All of this... All of this stuff, I believe Black Lives Matter, GameStop, I think it all comes back to one thing. The central Mm. compact in America that if you play by the rules, you're a good kid, that by the time you're 30, you should be making more money than your parents. For the first time, that is not happening. But Mm -hmm. we continue to tax them such that Pop Pop 
fucking take a cruise on fucking silver seas. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we think about social security for young people to give them a start? You know, I think if you were running the vaccine program, you would vaccinate no old people, wouldn't you? (laughs) <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm like you spending hours on the floor on the sites trying to get my, my in-laws vaccinated. Where did uh, that come from? Um, I don't no, know. I just, I, we have, I don't understand. I think there's an opportunity here are, to rethink. Th- I agree on that. Yeah, young people, have- the, the wealth that young, the wealth that people under the age of 40 control has gone from yeah. 19% to 9%. Yeah. The wealth of billionaires has gone from 1.9 trillion. Why these retail investors think you're in with the hedge fund guys? I agree. Well, my buddies that I hang out with in a steam room and smoke cigars (laughs) with. (laughs) Who are these people that I'm hanging out with? You do look like you could be in a steam room. Let's be clear. You fit the bill. Sure, I could see you wrapped in a towel, like smoking. I do think some of this is ages. I think I look like such an old fucking douchebag that a target. But anyways, yeah. Anyways, why, if we're truly going to redistribute income to where it has a greater return, why wouldn't we be investing more in our young people? I just don't yeah. get it. Why wouldn't we have Social Security for young people versus old people? Old people, wealthiest cohort in America, I, in history, globally. I like this. Globally. I like this. I had a great discussion with my, my oldest son about what he wants to do with his life. I can't, I'm not going to relate it, but it was really great. I thought it was a really interesting, innovative ideas that he was having, and I was very appreciative that he was doing that. Yes, they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of energy and ideas, and they should be. Well, we but should but be here's, here's what's happening. And they're, uh, well, I am investing. Again, I bring everything back to GameStop. They yeah. think there was a conspiracy against them between hedge funds. No, that's not true. That just didn't no. happen. It's worse than that. There's a conspiracy against them at the, at the federal level. At, yeah. at every level, there's a conspiracy to Agreed. make them less wealthy and the existing Agreed. rich old people more wealthy. Well, speaking of rich old people, my, I would say it's a win. Yes, go Fox ahead. canceling the highest-rated show, Lou Dobbs Tonight, <laughs> after its host was sued as part of a $2.7 billion defamation lawsuit. How much did you love that? How much did you love so, that? That made me happier than I could believe it. I don't yeah. know why. It was so schadenfreude. I'm like, don't feel bad for people who lose their jobs. And I thought, that asshole. Like, he's been spewing so much election bullshit, him and uh, Janine Judge, whatever the hell. Piro. Yeah, her. Um, Maria Bartiroma sleeping a little less I, well right now? <laughs> I don't know, but they're moving her to the main show, which is interesting, which is, uh, she's another one. Like, all of them. Like, uh, but Lou Dobbs, mm, chef's kiss. I'm sorry. He was, I, 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 my mom had him on once and I literally wanted to take the television and throw it out the window. The, it was just so infuriatingly inaccurate and, and it was spewed at my mother and I was sort of like furious. I, so. I, I, I was, I, I I saw a woman Couldn't last night. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. This, this wonderful woman I know, uh, she's in her, I think her mid-60s, late-60s. And I was speaking to her last night and she said, no, I'm not taking a vaccine, the vaccine and just kind of went on. And I'm not going to New York because it's crime-rid. And yeah. sh- she watches Lou Dobbs. And yeah. I think this My goes to a larger narrative. And that is, crime. I don't think you can unify as a country until there's some accountability and we decide that the yeah. truth is a thing again. And when yep. you constantly knowingly spread misinformation that results in, in smart people, or not, or maybe not smart, but people, that 14% of black Americans don't trust vaccines, and there's a mm-hmm. history behind that. Yep. But when you, when you knowingly spread that kind of stuff, I, I think know. there has to be accountability. This is a win. He started with his anti-immigration Trap trap awful nonsense and like he's he's the one that got you know Trump this was was in the stories and this is my last thing Trump called him during econo- a council of economic advisors meetings and like dialed him in 
that old coot. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that is just like goodbye, goodbye, sir. Or is he's going to he's going to fire up again the space dot com website? Remember oh, that? Remember he that? Left yeah. CNN to That's go right. To he space. left CNN because he was a birther. That's why he just a just an appalling human being in terms of how he's conducted his career. And couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. He's appalled. Anyway, we're appalled. We're we are appalled. appalled. We're officially appalled. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Someday someone's going to say, I'm so know, glad that Scott and Kara show got yeah, dumped really. for. Yeah, what yeah. do we get dumped for? Something bad. We have we got to go down hard, Scott. I have to say, that's how it's going to go it happens for to everybody. They're trying to pull yeah. down Winston Churchill's statue Oh, now. stop it. Are you going to do the woke culture it bullshit happens to, to me? everybody. Oh, God. It's called, sometimes I'm telling you, people algorithm reevaluate. for happiness, Kara. Algorithm for happiness, be rich and anonymous. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Be rich and anonymous. In any case. Take it some from things, me. Let me just tell you And some I'm things, neither. Some things are uh, overuse of this uh, of of attacking people. Some things are just accountability. Like we we can differentiate between the two. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Don't woke cancel culture stuff on me. I'm not going to happen. I'm not having it. Anyway, I'm a little bit testy today, aren't I? It's interesting. Yeah, but it's a nice testy. It's a nice testy. You're, all right, you're so. all salsa, no chip today. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Ah, <laughs> oh, Scott, we have a lot yeah. of plans. Scott and I have a lot of plans, but they aren't come to fruition yet. But they include. Uh, cocktails, correct? That's There'll be right. cocktails. There'll be a lot of fun. We have lot, Scott and I are making fun plans for the next few years. Can we years. tease one event? What? Tech event, Miami? Well, maybe. Can we we're tease thinking, one event? We're talking event? to that mayor who talks to everybody. Event? Let's just Miami? say he's a little bit loose. Do with you think he's flirting with other people or he just us? He flirts with everybody. That guy, Francisco, mm-hmm. come on. Fran- we don't, I don't care, though. It's Miami. Flores. I, Fran- 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 I don't care. No, listen. I like we're him. Ta- we're thinking of doing an event I in Miami. Like him. What does he what look do you like? Think is Miami he handsome? People? Most importantly, is he, is he going to be president? Is he handsome? He is I, He is very political, but he does tweet with everybody. I'm sure he has other friends on the Twitter. Smart, so nice, so. action-oriented. I like him. We'll see. We'll like see. Him. We'll see. We'll see if we'll see. We're going to put him to the test. Instead of just tweeting at us, we'll put him to the test. Anyway, Scott, that's the show. That's right. We'll that's right. On Friday for more, go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your question for the Pivot Podcast. The link is in our show notes. Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Ernie Entretot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back later this week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Tech event in Miami. Come hang out with the jungle cat and the dog. That's right. That's right. That's right.